0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Playing in the Sandbox, Conversations and Pedagogy. My name is Katherine Troyer and I am delighted to be joined once again by Lauren Malone.
1: Hi everyone. (laughs) So this week, we are continuing our discussion of dear committee members, and we're going to be talking about the section from pages uh, 62 through 131.
0: Can I say, like, every, as I continue reading this, I just, I'm, I, like, I can't help but pat myself on the back and, and you on the back for, like, making such a fine decision, because I am just enjoying <laughs> every moment of it, and I I, I wondered having stopped at that sort of 60-page mark and, and have you and I having talked about the fact that um, the certain sort of structure of this of this novel, I, w- I wasn't sure how it was going to propel certain themes or ideas forward because I wasn't sure if it was going to do it or if it was going to remain a little bit more um, just sort of, like, really anecdotal. And I, I've been really excited to see certain themes emerge and, like, certain continuing narratives, particularly about his, like, graduate student. um... That he's trying to recommend, like, I just thought it was really interesting to see how the second part of the novel really gives us that more traditional narrative arc,
1: yeah, yeah. Because, and that was actually one of the things that um stuck out to me at first was if we kind of talked about the first part as the sort of ramping up, and you're getting a whole lot of information and you're meeting all of these different people through these letters, then. This part was kind of like a spiral, like a descent into desperation, I think. Yes. Um through through the um through the grad student especially. I think you see see little pieces of it through the other letters, but especially with his grad student that sense of urgency and desperation really starts to come across. Um and I, and also it sort of builds on what it's already done because like in the first part, I think um, when he was recommending the graduate student, you only really heard about like the graduate student's funding going away, and that's why he's trying to recommend in fact, at the very beginning, I don't think you even knew that, and then you get the added piece of the funding's gone away. but then you get this added piece in this section where it's about the it's no longer just about the graduate student, it's about saving an entire graduate program. Mm-hmm. so, yeah,
0: I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, it absolutely cracked me up when he wrote wrote the letter uh, for the trailer park yeah. manager, and he was like, <laughs> "I'm, you know, all he needs is a place to live and yeah. some money." Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because nothing about the character of Jay, even from the start, right, makes him feel like he's a reliable narrator. Like you should take everything he says with, with this huge grain of salt. But I, ironically enough until, until that middle section with, with the grad student roles in the first sort of like, please, he's such a great writer. I just, I just, for some reason, believed Jay about that one thing. Um, and now, you know, like as, as he keeps being rejected, um, for like every opportunity, it's, it's interesting how I'm beginning to, to sort of shift this character who we're never going to read. I don't think any of his, his, <laughs> um, Bartleby, <laughs> 2.0 right we're never going to read <laughs> uh-huh. any of that and, and so I'm having to like ask myself is he actually talented and does it matter Um, is is this whole just like a gaslighting thing or is the student actually out of touch with the moment and so I, it's been interesting again I think because I'm having to read it in these chunks like watching my own journey of like but do I believe Jay even about this Um, and, and that I think only can happen through as you said this increasing like spiraling of like please any job any job will do um you're you'll be saving not just him but me the department the program um and that's been a very interesting journey to to be going on
1: yeah and and it's interesting you brought up the part about the unreliable narrator because when i as i've been reading this i always kind of um go back to the the huge debate in like fandom and literary studies of do we like the protagonist um and whether or not that matters for a story and so with this one I think he's also not just supposed to be an unreliable narrator, but not, I don't think he's supposed to be a particularly likable protagonist. No. But I like him.
0: <laughs> I know. And, that's so interesting.
1: And I don't know what that says about my, my psyche. I probably just, uh, I need therapy. But <laughs> no, I I like find myself like really charmed. And I think that's part of why. You're not supposed to like him because it goes into sort of all of this, right? The the part that we find the character charming is probably part of why he's getting rejected so much um, by people who actually have had to have interactions with him in this
0: kind of fictional universe. Yeah, we have we talked in our in our previous uh, episode on on the first part about our appreciation of of getting not not being sort of dragged into the trenches of all the the sort of nitty gritty of the political <laughs> levels of machinations that are happening. And I, I think that that's why we can like Jay, right? Because I think if we saw him actually interacting with other humans uh, in a non epistolary form, we'd be like, sir, you are unacceptable. You just need to stop it. But because like he's, he just keeps writing these letters, like despite the fact that like clearly it's not working for him or anyone he knows, Um, I just... I, you're right. Like there's something about him that I can't help but like, even as I know that if I knew him as a human, he would be, you know, the like bane of my existence.
1: yeah, well, and like there are definitely parts where I'm like, I don't like you right now. Like in some of the the in some of the more desperate moments where he starts kind of attacking other people and yes. like his characterization of other people. Like, those are the moments where it really kind of, like, drives the point home that you're not really supposed to like this character. You're supposed to be following them, but they're not supposed to be, like,
0: necessarily someone you're rooting for. Yes. I felt that way in particular about um, the way that he talked about um, MTV, the the Madeline uh, TV character, because, Mm -hmm. you know... Not that we don't all do it, but his sort of like, you know, if only I'd reached out sooner, if only I'd, you know, and I felt really very much so in that moment that I was like, you know, you're not, you're not endearing yourself uh, to me or anyone at this moment. And the fact that you think you are and that you're using the death of this person to like, to jump on your, your soapbox about like this other thing, right? It's just frankly unconscionable, right? It's just terrible. Yeah, it's interesting that that's the point
1: that you that you picked picked out because like that felt gross to me. But like the part that I really really didn't like was when he was talking about the other students writing, uh, the student oh. who got accepted over um, Bowles, I think is the graduate student's name, yeah. into yes. that program. And the I woman was like, who
0: wrote about the anthrop- anthropomorphic cat memoir, girl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cat
1: girl uh, memoir, yes. Because like yeah that was one of the cuz he does it he does this gently in certain places and because i write i write genre fiction i'm probably a little bit more sensitive to this but he does this li- like little bit of picking at like fantasy and sci-fi oh. and like and that point and usually it's just kind of in the abstract like my department's going away because of all of this popular stuff but at that point he has an actual target and he, like, really takes that that moment to,
0: to be terrible, I think, so yeah. I, no, I, um... I 100% agree, right? Because obviously, like no secrets, you and I are engaging in fantasy, science fiction, and horror on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> um, both as as instructors and as uh, creators. Um, and so part of it was like I'm just so accustomed to that that maybe that's why I didn't I didn't blink twice. But you're right that that what Schumacher manages to give us, which is so amazing to do in such this like clever way, is is to show us that like it's not just issues with him, right? Like, or um, it's not just about this one individual. It's about this, like, larger discussion that's happening about what counts, right? And Mm -hmm. it's the fact that it's, you know, I'm sure that it isn't a great, uh, the accountant in the bordello, I'm sure it's not a great book, but it's okay because it's based off of Melville. Um, And, you know, the number of times I've had conversations with people where we've talked about the fact that, like, no one has ever had to justify, like studying Shakespeare. Um, but but everyone has had to, that I know has had to justify studying uh, pop culture or genre studies, right? And so I think you're absolutely correct that he just comes across as so he's asking for all of this change, right? But he also doesn't doesn't want anything to change, right? right um, and right. that's a, a very obnoxious trait in this particular character. Yeah. So I um I have a question.
1: Something that I didn't notice in the first section, but I know it happened. um, And then it's happening more in this section is sometimes there are letters left out. Did you notice that? So sometimes there'll be letter. There'll be spaces where um, there's a letter and it's, there should be a letter there, but it's an underscore. So um, an example of this, the biggest example of this and why I started noticing it was on page 126, when he's writing to Ted, the department chair, um, cause it's like, it's the, it's in the, uh, little, um, title yes, yes. where it says department of English and the R and the S are left out and whatever that letter is in Ted's last name is left out. And, but it, it happens a few times in the actual letters themselves. Is he supposed to be doing this on a typewriter? Is that what this no, is? No.
0: So what's the, going on? Yeah. So the, um, this is the most extreme form of it so far on page 126, but he talks about earlier in the book. That not only does the economics uh, department not only are they about to get this new fancy floor, but on the English department floor, the the S in their in their like name tag or or like not name tag, but their like nameplate on the wall. Yes, nameplate on the wall. The S had fallen off, uh, and so they can't like they don't even get to have like a nor an actual accurate nameplate. And oh. so I guess by now it must be that like um, the R has also fallen off and, and maybe on, on the actual chairs, um, name tag, it, it also has fallen off. But yeah, that's, oh, that's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which just cracks me up, but also that's hilarious. And I think it cracks me up because like on the one hand, it doesn't matter, right? Everyone knows it's department of English, right? Like you don't need the S to know that, but like on the other hand, I just I think about the fact that like it is often those little indignities that I'm like but you know what, let's focus on the important stuff. We don't have the S on our name, and so that just cracks me up. But um, it would be d- delightful if he was typing it on a typewriter, though. I feel like that would actually be 100 percent fitting for Jay, and then his typewriter is like failing him, but he refuses to always work on his computer. That would make yeah. me happy. As
1: he continues his. You know, never-ending quests against online recommendation forms.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so funny. One of the things that I I found very interesting in here is, so um, the this week, the last film that my class watched was uh, in our, our horror class was Darren Aronofsky's Mother, lowercase exclamation mark. And in that film, it's so funny because my students were so hung up on the, the social cues and the like, and how rude these people were being like, independent of like the murder and the mayhem, what was <laughs> really offending them was things like how dare um, they not listen about whether or not they should sit on the sink, right? Like it was, it was the social cues that, that drew, that drove them crazy. And as I was reading this, I, what struck my attention is, and I think one of the reasons I, I find Jay such a delightful but also awful character is that it's not that I haven't said some of these things. It's not that I haven't been guilty myself of sometimes, you know, unfairly, um, you know, looking at two students and kind of comparing them or saying some of these things about like how I really feel about uh, the adjunct system or things like that. But it's the idea of putting it into, into permanence in a written letter that mm-hmm. I just like, you know, it's like, that's, that's the line, right? Like it's, that's the social cue that you're, you never put these type of grievances in letter form. Um, and I just, I think that's, that's so interesting to see how that is continuing to play out the things that he is putting into letters that again, are are not that terrible if you were to say them, but somehow just seem unacceptable. Um, like, and I, and I thought a lot about the, the section where he's like really being absolutely rude to the, to the other student who wrote the, the cat girl uh, story. Like I I just can't imagine putting pen to paper and saying some of the things that he says about a a student of his uh, and their work. Um, And that's just, it's like mind boggling to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had, I found the the two parts that I was thinking about. So, um, the first is, is the, uh, letter to Celebrita online. For Tara Tapani, this was probably one of the funniest letters in the whole book so far, because so and this and it also like touches on how I don't like how he talks about people because yeah. like with the air of a woman wearing diamonds and furs entered my icy in, in the, entered the icy enclosure in which I work like I like I. I don't like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it seems like low-key sexist or maybe high-key yeah. sexist. I'm not sure. But, I think like, it's high-key. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but like, you're supposed to feel that, right? Like, that's supposed to be him. So, But the reason I thought it was funny was um, just that he he starts it off with saying, I gave her an F in my class.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I know that last time we talked about how this is, like, sort of a, sort of a – Many how to on how not to write recommendation letters, but this also, they, um, Schumacher manages to make this also feel like a guide on who to ask for recommendation yes. letters because this comes up over and over again where he's like, I don't know this person well enough to do this, or no, I gave this person an F, or you know, this has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Or the, my other favorite one was the one where he was like, would I recommend them for your company? No, because your company sells missiles to like foreign <laughs> yes. governments and stuff like that. And I don't think anyone should work in your company. I think you should burn to the ground, that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, so, so I found that particular letter really fun because in between sort of you struggling with his personality and the parts of it that you find, um, unacceptable, you have the, the, this also kind of weird way of looking at oh you know as a as a person who was recently on the job market i had a handful of people that i kept going to for recommendation letters and like this was one of the things that they told me um uh is you know be careful on who you ask for for these because you know not everyone is nece- not everyone will say no but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily in your corner
0: Yes. That's such a good point. Um, and it's, it's, you know, we, we often act as though it's, it's the student's fault for not knowing that they shouldn't have asked us. Um, but, but the truth is, is that like, until you get to the job market, like post PhD level, right. uh, We don't usually have those frank conversations about like, which, um, which, faculty, should you be asking for letters and, and how maybe as you're trying to get into medical school, even though your favorite teacher was your first year experienced teacher, that's not who you should be asking to write you a letter of recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I think I think what also cracked me up so much about this particular story, you're right. He definitely is setting us up to dislike this woman who, again, if we're to, to read Jay, it's unreliable. We have to assume that you know maybe she's not nearly as as terrible as he describes but we, we talked before about the idea that like although these situations are exaggerated in all of them I'm like yes I know that story and mm-hmm, so while I mm-hmm. never had a student say it's okay I just need a letter um, and then create such an, an exorbitant lie uh, about how they plagiarized you know we all have those stories about students that were like and and this is what they said to me and I was baffled <laughs> and it's like yeah, of course you were baffled because <laughs> it, everything about what you just described is baffling. Um and I've that just that's part of the reason I found that section so hysterical. Okay, so that was one. What is your other thing the other one that you were like super excited to talk about? So the other one, oh, and
1: about that one too, I also just really loved the I think anyone <laughs> I think anyone who has ever had to deal with plagiarism in their class will find that one delightful. Um, yes. So the other one is the uh, one to Dean Rensselaer on 122. Speaking of sexism. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. So like, this is one of the ones that that takes you out of the fantasy, right? Because like, for most of these, I think, I think you're supposed to be in the headspace of you're reading this as though these are. These are quote unquote real letters, right? Um, even though there's some part of you that knows that this is exaggerated or that no one would really do this, this is the one that completely took me out of the fantasy. I was like, it's so over the top that, like, this has got to be this dude's diary, you yeah. know, that yeah. he's writing, rather than rather than like any kind of any kind of like you know, even even exaggerated letter. But yeah, I think this is also the part where you're supposed to um, start to understand some of the animosity that he's getting defensive about in the first part. Because again, kind of like with the grad student, you don't know what happened with his ex-wife and then the woman he slept with and cheated okay. on her with. Um, you just get like bits and pieces of something went down but I think this is the part where you're supposed it's supposed to be kind of a turning point where you're like, oh, OK. And then he wrote about it in a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Oh, that makes sense as to why, you know, they're throwing artichoke salad at him or whatever it was that happened. Yes. So, yeah, that one that one was another one I really liked because, it again, it has that whole over the top like prickliness, you're really supposed to not like him in that moment, but it it was fun to read.
0: Yeah, there's a line on page one twenty three where he says, "At the risk of revealing myself to be an egotist, I submit that I figure prominently into her decision, right to, to go to a job elsewhere." And I was just like, "Oh," because again, as much as I want to like just chuckle, it's it feels a little too too realistic in that moment, which which I think is really interesting because what you just said is. Um, that of all of the, of all the letters so far, this is the one that I think most separates itself from from our like ability to suspend our disbelief in terms of like no one would write that. I think I think no one would write that, but at the same time, <laughs> it also has perhaps the most like serious and and real world implication subject matter, mm-hmm. right? Which is just the the rampant sexism and the rampant um, not just not just like a sense of ego, but, but entitlement, right? That like, I'm allowed to say these things because this person is staff and a woman and was my (laughs) partner. Um, And so, yeah, I think, I mean, like talk about a masterful move to put, to combine those together um, because it would have been so easy to not have it read that ridiculous um, or to not have it or to have it read that ridiculous, but over a silly topic. Um, But to combine the two together, Definitely, he's like the the marking point uh, in in this narrative. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think one of the things that that allows that to happen is that that idea of this suspension of disbelief is going. But we also have all had that that one colleague or professor or or research person that we were working with, collaborator. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> who was who was the edgelord, right? The one who was like, well, I'm just brutally honest and would say things like this. And and so, you know, there's always, there's that little part of you that's like, this is exaggerated, but oh, remember that time where what's-her-face got up in front of the staff meeting and said da 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 Yeah, so I think that it's, it's that little bit of, Reality, and then that reality is sort of magnified in this one letter. Um, yeah,
0: and and there's a, a degree to which the the novel makes it clear that that some of this is because because he has tenure, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's not intended to be. I don't think. I think it'd be hard for for someone who has tenure, like the author does, to have like a scathing discussion about tenure um but but i think this comes as close as it can because it's clear that like it's not tenure that's the problem right it's what happens to some people when they get tenure which is that suddenly they they remove themselves from the world in a way that's that's baffling and so we see that he's removed from the world as in no one is coming to his Uh, office except for these weird uh, students um but also like he just doesn't understand what isn't is not acceptable because at this point he can do anything right he never Mm -hmm. has to publish a meaningful book again he can be out of touch with the heartbeat of what is important to the creative writing world um he can have these extramarital affairs that everyone knows about and it's not gonna it's not gonna matter right Mm -hmm. at the at the end of the day um and that just strikes me as as being really interesting, to to put into uh, this book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The one, the one thing that I, I think is interesting to see how Schumacher handles is, is the way that ways that we get to see Jay constantly self sabotaging himself, um, and I yes. think particularly um, on the the letter that's on 109 and this isn't the first one but it's the letter to try to get uh Duffy Knapp the IT guy transferred somewhere else Mm -hmm. but like for the life of him he can't just like write a, a like letter that's like this guy's amazing we'll be so sad to lose him he's always like yeah you should hire him because we really don't want him um and like it's just it cracks me up that to go back to what you said, right, that there are these people that feel like it is their duty, regardless of of who is hurt in the process, to, to say, give the unvarnished truth, um, and and to watch that be the reason that Jay will fail again and again, even as he remains, you know, safely ensconced in his, his job. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: that one was, that one and then there was one other and I'm not going to be able to find it um, real fast right now, but there is there are two that were like this where you know he has he has this this spectrum of letters of recommendations right from the negative completely negative to like the negative beco- negative out of ignorance cuz he doesn't know the person and he's just making mm-hmm. stuff up to this one which is this weird middle ground of i the first time i read it i couldn't exactly figure out if he was actually, you know, happy to recommend this person <laughs> or not. Or if this was supposed to be, like, one of the backhanded ones. It's kind of, like, weird in the middle. Um, and then, you know, the positive ones that are sort of positive because of what the students have done, and then the positive ones that are simply self-serving. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so this one, and then there was one other one where I was like, I actually can't tell if he's
0: really recommending this person or not i felt that way about the the one that was on page 128 through 131 where he's recommending dennis white for the seminary program but he's like oh yeah doing it by by saying like i think he was really creepy and like (laughs) profoundly disturbing and if Mm -hmm. those are the qualities you're looking for and i was like is this again i i am having a hard time reading this um and i think i think you're right i think it's because like Jay is holding this badge, right, of of total honesty to him, as though though it is a badge uh, worth worth having, and it's hard then to read whether or not he's sincere most of the time uh, mm-hmm. now. And so now, you know, like if we think about that, does that mean does he think that 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 Broyles uh, um Bartleby 2.0 is actually good, or is he just so desperate to to find funding, right? Like, so it just, it throws everything into, into like this suspect area. Yeah. And that's a
1: good point because I, I hadn't actually even thought of that, of how does he actually feel about this particular student Yeah, and that student's writing. And I almost feel like it's, I feel like it's true because of the amount that we see this and the desperation mm-hmm. that it kind of spirals into. But also, like, again, in those letters, you can see those hints of the self-serving, right? The, the, um, the, the desperation to save the graduate program, which I get, you know? Um yeah. And, but also, towards the end here, or towards the middle, you know, at the beginning, it was just like, this book is really good, you know, he just needs time and space, and money. (laughs) Um, and you got less of that in the section and it was more still those requests, but it was more like this book is going to be the next big thing. And it's
0: almost like he wants credit for that. Right. So, yeah. And the fact that no one else seems to be acknowledging it, right. We've reached the point where Mm -hmm. it it can't just be like grievances. (laughs) Clearly there's something wrong with, with this, either the novel or the timing of the novel. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's interesting because as you were talking about like the self-serving nature that becomes increasingly apparent in everything Jay does, it's, there's a really interesting contrast because on the one hand, it's become very clear that, that everything Jay does, um, has a motivation uh, behind it that is in some way rewarding to Jay. But on the other hand, he's writing all these letters right? Like, yeah. So he has tenure, he could just say no, and no one could do anything to him. Um, But he still takes the time to engage in all of these. And there's like, some of these are clearly not going to benefit him at the end of the day. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think there's something really funny there, right? About this idea that like, even the most uh, self-serving get kind of caught up in this, like, but I guess that's what I have to do. And it's just, it's really odd to me. And I hadn't really thought about that until our conversation. When we
1: first talked about the, the first section, again, I, I think I was kind of stuck in the it's going to kind of be this insular thing and he's just going to keep writing these letters and we might find out a little bit more about bulls and then that's it. Um, but again, it did turn into this like larger larger sort of issue-spanning thing where all of these letters, or, or a lot of these letters, are talking about these different themes. And so... I'm just wondering, like, where does it go from here? What do you
0: think is going to happen? And what do you think is going to happen in the sequel? Yeah, that's such a good question. So, you know, if I didn't know that there was a sequel, I might think that he would just, like, be dead at the end. Of that, like, you know, like, punched <laughs> over his lap, his, his, uh, you know, computer. With a, bo- uh, <laughs> with a
1: bottle of whiskey in his hand.
0: Pretty much. Um,. And, and then, like, we find out that, like, all the letters were just written in his head, right? Like, I feel like that would be if I didn't know that there was a sequel. Knowing that there is a sequel and that he survives, um, I what I would like to see is a couple of things. I would like to see uh, him be penalized for, for what he's doing, but in a way that doesn't seem like penalization. So I want for people to be like, you know what? Thank you so much for all of your candor and your honesty we would like to add you to these 17 committees as a result. Like I would like for him to, <laughs> to, to learn that like there is a price for his deciding to be so, um, forward and in your face. And it's a price that he is not going to want to pay. I would like to see that. I think, um, I also would like to see, I'm not sure what I want to see, but I want to see something with brolls too. Right. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I want to see the, the resolution of, of it just continuing to descend or if I want to see, um, I mean, I think it would almost be funny if, if we find out that, like, through a letter that, like, Brolls actually has been trying so hard to get Jay to not recommend him for stuff. um, And that this is, like, against his... That it's, like, recommendation against his will. Um. Yeah, and I feel like we're getting hints of that in this one. Yeah, I do, too. Because he keeps saying things like, I know he's t- he'll tell you he doesn't want to work on this, but he does. Um, But I... I think I would like to, yeah, I'd like to see Jay have to pay the consequences um, of his, like, decision to just constantly be writing letters and constantly feeling the need to be so transparent. <laughs> um, what about you? What do you want to see? I don't know. I think I want closure with the
1: uh, the love triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want that closure to be any kind of atonement. like. I don't want, I don't want there to be, uh, sorry, I don't want him to, like, suddenly get woke. Oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, oh, that'd be, like, that would be the worst. Dr. Yeah, yeah, I don't want him to suddenly get woke, I want him to keep being, like, just like he is, but I want there to be some sort of, some sort of thing that happens where we get to see, like... I don't know, someone someone threw another thing of artichoke salad at him or something like that. I don't know. Um, but or or just like we get more information in terms of um in terms of kind of continued frustration on his part because I think that one of the things that happens um and I think part of this is outside of the love triangle, but you see like every time like his grad student gets rejected or something like that. He has this like frustration that his connections are falling through. And so I want something that kind of plays on that in a way that sort of closes it out, I guess.
0: I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I think you're right that, that we, he, he keeps blaming everyone else for, for the fact that his connections aren't working, right? Like, um, I don't know why you'd be upset about this, but I notice you're not responding to me, so you must be upset about something. Like I, I don't know, and I, like I, I kind of part of me just wants Carol and Janet to like, to, to become a power couple, right? And they're, like, <laughs> and then you know they become like president and provost of the university. Right? Yeah. I know that I know that doesn't work in terms of their positions, but I, I think you're right. The worst thing that could happen would be that he suddenly becomes apologetic. I think that he needs to be. Um, "Quote rewarded for for the ways that he is behaving, and I think it should come from all of his connections." Yeah, yeah. So for the next session, um, we're we're finishing up the book, and that's exciting. Uh, and then, you know, I guess we'll have to all rush out and grab the the sequel, um, yeah. particularly depending on how it ends. So I hope that you will uh, join us for that next episode. And in the meantime, a happy reading and have a lovely day. Bye.